Welcome to The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome to The Family Room. I'm Mari Cleveland, and I'm here with my co-host, John Gordon. He's already laughing and we haven't even begun. Hi, John. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Happy to be here. We're glad you're here too. And Craig Wiesmeyer. Hey, Craig. Hey, how are you? Good. Today we've got a treat for everybody because um, as God provides, we have got our guest today, our production assistant, Sarah Sullivan. So welcome to the family room, Sarah. Thank Could, you. Thanks. We should have some some of, some of those canned applause. Come on. Yeah. Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> And the reason that all of us are so thankful to Sarah, and we know that all of you are thankful to Sarah, is because Sarah creates the amazing show notes that you can access on the podcast for every one of our Family Room episodes and gives you all of the wonderful resources and describes the show. So, Sarah, we thank you for blessing all of us with your gifts. It is my pleasure. For sure. So um, we're going to pray in just a second. And before we pray, I want to just briefly share what's kind of interesting and how God weaves together because we originally met Sarah almost a year ago because when we were putting together the family room, we were looking for people to speak on really provocative topics. And Sarah came and spoke with us on the topic of prodigals. And she knew of an apostolate called praying for prodigals. So today we are coming back and we're going to revisit with Sarah some of that conversation that we had, we're actually going to recreate it since we've got Craig and John on board now too, and and talk about just the power of conversion and the power each of us felt as potential prodigals where we were away from God and how he drew us back together. So we'll get to hear some of Sarah's story, and then I think we'll open the, the open, <laughs> open, I know, open up a little bit and share our own stories as well. And then we've got a resource again for, for everyone out there, a beautiful apostolate called Praying for Prodigals. So that's what our show is going to look like today. But John, would you kick us off with a prayer? I sure will. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, as we prepare for this time together, we think about your role and and what you wanted us to understand in the story of the prodigal son, how you ache and long and come running for us, no matter what situation we find ourselves in. And, And now as we get together in an effort to do your will and to share your will and to share the incredible love that you have for us, we would just ask that you open our minds and hearts and open the minds and hearts of whoever may be listening that your word, your love, your forgiveness, your incredible mercy might just touch everyone and anyone who needs it. Father, we ask you to bless this time together. We ask all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So interesting topic. We're talking about the prodigal son story. And for me, it's interesting as I've contemplated this a little bit. You know, we're living in a prodigal son world, meaning um, if anybody is dissected that particular story. The prodigal son, in essence, said to the father, I wish you were dead. Mm-hmm. When you ask for your inheritance, it's not just simply <clears throat> your kid calling from college saying, hey, I need 50 bucks to go, you know, <laughs> go to this store. It's literally like, I want you to be dead. I want all of this. So greed, power, I'm going to make my own way in the world, meaning I'm going to define pride. my happiness. Pride, pride, as John just said. And I think that... Um, We've all fallen into it in different degrees, in different in different ways. 
And we live in a world today, again, more particularly that it's out there. You know, we all sit at different points in time. We're the ones who walked away. We're the ones that may need to welcome somebody back. And frankly, we're the brother sometimes that says they haven't followed the rules. Why would you be nice to them? Cut them off, you know, whatever it is. And I think let's just start, though, by asking Sarah. I think you had a little bit of a prodigal daughter story, mm -hmm. maybe. Can you kind of fill us in a little bit about yourself and our listeners about that? Sure, Craig. Um, I was, I'm turning 56 this year, and I was uh, 33 years old, and had been married to my husband, Jerry, who is a cradle Catholic and who never put any pressure on me to, you know, to become Catholic. So he was really out there in faith, marrying a non-Catholic. And I had a baby. We've, we have three young adult children now. And um, I think we hear this from a lot of people who um, were not raised Catholic, which is the case with me. I, I wasn't raised Catholic and um, do decide to become Catholic to convert that becoming a mother was a was a game-changing moment for me. So I am an Ivy League graduate. Uh, I think the big lure that got me was sometimes called the lure of self-sufficiency. Mm, I, I can relate to that one. <laughs> I, I really was of the mindset that I could, I was in charge and I could do whatever needed to be done. So especially in the college years, um, I was uh, kind of like what Father John Klein said, you know, I, I, I uh, not, excuse me, not Father John Klein, but um, the Zenith Ministries. Yes. Tom Thomas. Yeah, yeah, Thomas Clements. Thomas. Thomas. Mm -hmm. I, I really just was very, um, not living my baptism. Now, that is something important to say. I was baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I was baptized in a Methodist church, which is a valid baptism, but I was away from my baptism. I was away from my baptism. So you were kind of living as a prodigal, kind of away from God yes. and being very self-sufficient, doing things on your own. Yes. Yeah. And, and committing a lot of sins, but not really having a sense that they were sins. And I think I think it was Pope Benedict XVI that talked about that, and I lived it, so I might not have the right Pope, but that sense, losing the sense of mm -hmm. sin is a mm -hmm. very real thing, and I experienced it, and I went to Spain. I mean, everything on the outside looked super buttoned up. I mean, I am pretty smart cookie, so I had a full ride to Vanderbilt University to teach Spanish because I had lived in Spain, and I had a fancy car. I had a, I had a stipend and a, you know, and a full ride. So everything on the outside looked really good, but I am living proof that like sin rots you. Mm. That, that was some of it. There was a lot more to tell. The very good news is at the age of 33, um, I decided, uh, my husband's an engineer and he, you know, said, you're going to have to figure out how this works. I've been Catholic all my life. I don't know how somebody becomes Catholic. So I entered RCIA at my parish, St. Andrews on the River in Roswell, Georgia. It was just a powerful year. The but back up one second, yeah. though, because and you said a couple things that are interesting. You know, again, we've been told by a lot of people there is no Satan, which means there is no sin. Mm -hmm. So whatever you want to do, you can do. So you're living that life. Mm -hmm. But there had to be a moment where God shone through something that said, I'm real. Oh, yeah. You've missed my graces. And you're like, okay, I need to make a change. Can you unpack that just a little yeah. bit? 
there was such a moment. I was, um, I've been blessed just to nurse at the breast all three Sullivan babies when they were babies. They're big people now. But I was breastfeeding Maggie, our oldest. Um, she's 25 now, and she was a teeny baby. And as I was nursing her, I looked up. Our, we had a big skylight in the kitchen, and I looked up, and the sky sort of turned into a big smile. And I, I really did have quite a St. Paul moment where I was just um, kind of almost knocked out of myself, if you will. But I just had an experience of God's love, of him, his knowing everything I'd done, Craig. And I mean everything, things that I can't say on the radio. And yeah. And we've all been there. Don't feel bad. <laughs> yes. But this is our God, you know? And so this is what happened that he said, um, I know everything. And I love you. Now, keep in mind, this was three years before I actually entered the church. So I didn't know about the sacrament of reconciliation. I mean, I think I loosely knew what confession was, but, you know, this is what happened to me. Yeah. He mm. broke into my life. And, and he is that we hear that phrase. He's the hound of heaven, right? He will oh, yeah. come after you and he will <laughs> come after you and touch you in the way you need to be touched. I love the fact that he said, I know you, I know everything about you, and I love you. All in one sentence. It was all in the same it sentence. It really was, just as, just as you say. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is so beautiful. I think all of us can probably relate to that. those times where maybe we weren't living. I like how you said it. We weren't living out our baptism. We, you know, we were baptized. We were chosen. We were blessed. We have this amazing grace, and yet the world is very seductive, and yeah. we're lured into other relationships, um, anything that keeps us away from God, anything that detracts us from God is, is that. And I think each of us probably can, can speak to that as well. You want to stop and speak to that for a second before we hear more about Sarah's story? She's actually looking at John, not me. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll say that because when you sound so nice, Sarah, when you say I wasn't living out my baptism, to me, that's like saying, we joked about this on another show. Yeah. Bless me, Father, for I went to the library and I didn't use my quiet voice. <laughs> That's what not living my baptism sounds like to me, right? I know what you mean, mm -hmm. that it's, it's much more profound than that. But I think there's two kinds of things. I'm projecting myself mm -hmm. here. There's not living my baptism, which is not being the best John that God intended to me to be. And then there's what I've done where I said, I know my baptism, I know what this is supposed to be, and I am turning my back willfully, intentionally, and for a protracted time mm. against that. And it's not just not being nice. Mm. It is profoundly wrong things, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think for our listeners, and, and is it's important to understand that I think I'm not radically different than the rest of the world, and that I think that there are some things that are wrong, and then there are some things that are so profoundly wrong, how could God ever forgive that? Mm -hmm. And that's where the devil wants us to dwell. Mm -hmm. He wants us to remember the profoundly wrong things, the times we willfully said, Lord, I know you are there, and I am going here, mm -hmm. right? I think that's important. Yeah, and I love the way you just described that because Satan wants us, like you said, to dwell on that. And he wants us to forget the second half of the sentence yep. that God spoke to Sarah. And I love yeah. you, right? Mm 
that God is always there as the prodigal. We open this talking about the story of the prodigal son. And if you haven't read it, it is in scripture. You can go and read it in Luke. And um, I can't remember if it's in more than one gospel, but, but the, the, yeah, that it was in several of the gospels, but you know, that the father was the one who went running out of the house toward the son who was coming back after doing all those awful, like you said, John, it wasn't just, Oh, I'm not using my quiet voice. It was the willful just the willful turning away from and choosing all the things that he knew he was not called to choose at all. And I think we've each been there. I know for me personally, it's a slippery slope, right? Mm. Um, For the most part, I was always known as the good girl. I'm I'm kind of still known as a little bit as of a goody. That shocks us, Mark. (laughs) We're 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 blown away. Uh, Yeah, I've always been a little goody two shoes. But I did did walk away from God and I did walk away from things I knew he did not, they were not the best for me. And and it happens in relationships, I think, for, for mm-hmm. many of us. And for me, it happened in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I was able to tell myself all these stories. Oh, but, you know, and we use all of these ways of of making it right, making it okay. And it was interesting. God had to totally shock me in that and tear off. I, I The visual is he had to take off my rose-colored glasses and then stomp all over them for me to finally <laughs> wow. see yeah that what was going on was so wrong. And later on, somebody said to me, they said, as you look at relationships in the future, ask yourself this one question, does this person draw you closer to themselves or closer to God? Mm-hmm. And that was a profound question that I have never forgotten. And I use that in all my relationships now. If you are just tuning in, you were listening <laughs> to The Family Room, and we are so glad to have you with us. And we're talking with our production assistant today, um, Sarah Sullivan. You know, it's interesting too when you when you break that down a little bit because um, there's definitely that willful. There's that whole "I am going to go do this anyway." But let's be honest. You know, when you live in a society that's pretty much for—I mean, I'm 56 for my 20 plus years college, whatever. Where I mean, the world is telling you there is no God. We're too intellectual. So we've gotten to this point of intellectual superiority where God doesn't exist. That's a fallacy. The devil doesn't exist. And oh, by the way, lulled to sleep with, well, it's okay to try these things. You love them. Mm-hmm. Your marriage isn't going to last unless you do this, do that. All right. Um, I'm not going to say I was terrible by any means, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't, you know, living. And it, it was not even necessarily a, I'm going to turn my back on this. It was just a weakness. A, I wasn't firm enough in God, even though every time I picked up a Bible in college, a scripture verse jumped out and slapped me in the Mm -hmm. face that, yeah, dude, turn around and go the other way. (laughs) Well, this isn't really that bad, whatever. And um, it was interesting, though. God never left me. Right. I may have left him. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all talked about it, but more particularly, I had a mother that never quit praying Mm -hmm. to the point where, she was in our little sunroom in the back room praying for me specifically, more than likely in tears going, where the heck did this kid go? I know, I know empirically in my heart, he's not doing what he's supposed to and was fretting and was worrying and was like at her wit's end. And she claims in her prayer, God was like, well, whose son is he? Well, he's mine and he's my father, you know, my, my father. So, you know, my dad's name was Herman. He's Ruth and Herman's son. Pause. Whose son is he? Oh, get it. Mm-hmm. She claims from that moment forward when she's like, you got him. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to quit doing my job, but I am now trusting that you're going to do your job in the way you want to do it. And from that moment on, she's like, okay, I'm done. And I got to say, part of this thing for me was a bad relationship that quickly got me to go, yeah, I kind of like parts of that, this, you know, walking away stuff, but it doesn't feel really good. This right. is not where I really want to be. Right, exactly. Yeah, so many times relationship. So you brought up something that, Sarah, I would love you to speak into because I've heard you talk about this before, and it's the power of people praying for you and just the generations of prayer that sometimes we don't even know that come before us and the difference that can make because Craig's mom was over there praying for him, right? You know, John, I know that you've got praying parents. I had praying parents. So tell us tell us about your thoughts around that, Sarah. Well, and as Craig was speaking, I was thinking it's just so important when we you know, we talk about meeting people where they are. Um, and sometimes that becomes one of those meaningless phrases because we say it so much. That's what we really got to do is meet them where they are. But it, it's, it is meaningful. And um, in my own case, uh, there was a friend of mine in high school, my friend Joelle, she's a cancer doctor in Birmingham now. And, you know, she would, she converted before I did. And she would say, you know, I'm praying for you. And I would say, uh, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad you're praying for me. Uh, it, I was more glad for her, but it, it, it kind of, you know, I don't know. I didn't really understand it. And I just wanted to speak a moment to the fact that, and it's to what you said too, John, different people have a different knowledge of the faith. Mm-hmm. And we know that in Catholic radio, uh, a lot of people tune in who are not Catholic, who are seekers. And Mm -hmm. I would put myself in that category. You know, I married a Catholic, but spiritually I was a seeker. And my husband's witness of integrity, of honesty, of sacrifice, of of silently hoping Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) meant much more than him, you know, condemning me. Um, But he was there for me. So I just thought, I think we... Sometimes we say to people, I'm going to pray for you, but I would just put forth, are you really willing to pray fast and sacrifice for someone and not tell them? Mm, and not even right. tell them. Mm. Yeah. See? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You would also pray for them, like right. in their place. Yeah. That's a saint. A that saint is. does that. There was something you said once, I remember you sharing me with me the story too of your, your husband's mother and grandmother and people praying. And oh, that was such yeah. a well, lovely image. It is. And just keep in mind, I mean, I, I might be the, I don't know if I'm the first guest on the show, but um, I mean, my, my family is not Catholic. Um, so I really came into the marriage and there was a time when Catholic parents got very upset when their child married yeah. a non-Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some, let's not go off on that rabbit trail, but to your point, <laughs> I did marry into the Irish, and I say, you know. God love you. Thank you. <laughs> Sarah <laughs> Sullivan, we are lovers and fighters, fighters in the spiritual battle. But I imagine, you know, back to Ireland, my and I was very close with my husband's grandparents. Um, but imagine, like, my husband's grandmother's mother's mother fingering those rosary beads. You know what I mean? Fasting, something simple like fasting on bread and water on a Friday. And then fast forward in time to a hurting. And I want to say that sin hurts. When I say you rot from the inside out, it is no happy thing. It is such an unhappy thing to be in a life of sin, a state of sin. 
And so those prayers were efficacious generations generations later. Amen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. amen, alleluia. Yeah. 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 A lot of alleluia right there. A lot there. of alleluia here. <laughs> that could be my whole talk. Alleluia. <laughs> I wondered, um, you, you kind of emphasized, you know, meeting people where they are. And that is a terrible phrase, in my opinion. It sounds like something out yeah. of a psychology book and, <laughs> you know, transactional analysis or something like that. But um, I think that, that that's the... I took two messages away when you said that. One was the beauty of the Father and the forgiveness that we so frequently want to dismiss and, and, and not count ourselves uh, worthy to receive. And the other was, again, self-indictment. Like, when was it my turn to run out versus being justified? Or And Craig, you talked about the older brother. Like, why do you mess with this? Like, I mm -hmm. mean, he's, he's a screw up. He's a bum. He's yeah. a bum. He, he, he basically said, hey, let's pretend like you're dead and uh, I'll take all your money or is whatever's due me, yeah. right? And, but when is it my turn to reach out? And, and, and just as you said, the prayer part, like praying for other people, it's like, I wonder if there's something I could or should do that is that turning point for the prodigal or, 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 or that turning point for someone in my own life. Right. Where where they come back or I improve the situation by the being the one to step out. Well, it, it was why I was so um, attracted to Christine Bruce's apostolate. I mean, I heard about praying for prodigals in an encounter. It was an encounter with Christ's case. So people in Regnum Christi, we do case studies. Mm -hmm. I mean, for this very reason that I thought. Um, I'm a spiritual mother for priests, as, a, as an aside. So I pray and sacrifice for priests. And um, it is, it is, it's hard, you know, it takes discernment to know, like, when to speak, when to act, you know, mm -hmm. when to sit, because there are times for that, for yeah. that correction, which can be life changing for somebody. And, um, and I had that in my RCIA team. But um, anyway, we will hear from Christine some mm -hmm. examples of mothers who have been up against these very, I mean, Craig just gave an example in his own life, but she gives examples in mm -hmm. her apostolate of mm -hmm. exactly what we're talking about. And was right. there anything that anybody could have done for you, particularly when you said you were, you were definitely in that prodigal phase that you think would have brought you, I mean, it took until you were 33 and yeah. God really showing up in that smile in the sky. But before that, is there anything that anybody could have done for you? I'm going to, say something here and it really does speak to our times it is it is so purity of life people um living as if there were a next life mm -hmm. it really matters and i want to say something kind of sad that when i was in that spot mm -hmm. everybody around me was super worldly mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i was raised mm -hmm. in a family where we were very wealthy achievement, high grades, getting a high paying job. There weren't a lot of people around me. And mm. then I went to secular universities that talked about heaven or grace or these very right. important things. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to maybe say to our listeners, maybe that is the moment when words are needed, right? Does this well, it's, spark it's interesting something because in you now all? we're being yeah. told not to talk, right? We're being told, keep that quiet, keep it in the corner. Mm. And I don't, I think what we have to understand too, guys, again, we've talked about it multiple times. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 5, mm -hmm. how do you treat your marriage? Ephesians 6, it's a war. When you get into sin, mm -hmm. it attaches itself to you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't believe there's such things as demons and things like that, I'm not trying to scare people because 
Christ is still in charge of all of it. But God allows that evil to manifest itself to turn us away from it, okay? But it goes generationally to generations to generations. And we need to break that. We need to break that by turning back to God. But to your point, we need to pray because, I mean, I was at a different degree of sinfulness than somebody else. Not that I was any better, but the more severe that gets, your conversation isn't going to do anything. Right. Your prayer alone may not do anything. But when we attach our own sufferings, whether it's imposed from the outside or we impose it on ourselves, fasting, not eating something we really want to, where Scripture said, I'm going to butcher this one, Mari, I'm looking at you and John, <laughs> you know, where it says we make up in our own suffering for the lack of Christ's suffering. And I didn't do that justice. Christ suffered perfectly. That didn't do it. But when we join our suffering to we his, exactly. it makes it holy. Yes. 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 Right. When that. it makes it holy, our mother Mary takes that to her son and can say, I want to use this for Mari. I want to use this for whomever. That changes the world. It yeah. does. Mm -hmm. It really does. I love Our Lady so much. I, I have a broken relationship with my own mother, but um, I, I love Our Lady and that idea that she's the mediatrix of all graces and that we can put everything in her hands and she'll put those prayers where they're needed is very powerful. And we're yeah. not worshiping her. Let's make that clear. Yeah. <laughs> but we do love her. So maybe a good kind of bridge point would be to talk about what was going on around you. There was actions and activity. Craig, you're talking about what, what was missing in Christ's suffering was our involvement, right? We make it. So there, there's, there's some activity. When we heard a gentleman speak about exorcisms and keeping the devil out of your life, he didn't talk about any kind of secret squirrel, special sort of stuff. He talked about living the virtues. He mm -hmm. spoke, have scripture in your life, have these disciplines, have these behaviors. And there's a certain suffering that goes along with being disciplined, right? Yes. And so maybe that could be a good bridge into our next, uh, you know, prayer time uh, or, or conversations about prayer, just that there's activity involved in helping a prodigal in addition to praying. Right. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think it gives us hope as well yes. because we think, okay, so what can we do? And if we do have somebody in our life who's a prodigal, and, and as we just said, all of us have been prodigals at different times. We all have turned our back from away from God or just cast our grace face away from his will in our lives. So what can we do? And so at the second half of our show, we, we are going to get a chance to hear from Christine Bruce and, and how God just really touched her heart and got her um, to, to recognize what are some things I can do in addition to praying? What, what else can I do? So, so listeners, we are so thankful you were here with us and we want you to come back with us in just a few minutes here. We'll come right back to the family room with Mari, John and Craig right after this. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. So, you love listening to The Quest but can't always listen live? No worries. Now with The Quest Atlanta app, you never have to miss out. Listen on demand, submit prayer requests, catch up on the latest headlines, and so much more. Available on the App Store and Google Play today. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, 
The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you. We're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig on AM 1160 The Quest. Welcome back to the family room. We have been having a wonderful conversation about prodigals and about conversion experiences. And we've shared a bit of the three of us co-hosts a little bit about ours. And we've been talking with our wonderful production assistant, Sarah Sullivan. So Sarah, we're so glad you're on the show with us today. And for all of you to know, we, we intimated, we explained that Sarah and I first met because we recorded a show around prodigals about a year ago. And on that show, we introduced everybody to Christine Bruce, but that show did not get to air. So we are airing it now for the first time. And this is a conversation we had with Christine Bruce around an apostolate that she has called Praying for Our Prodigals. So during this half of the show, we would really like to introduce you to some of the amazing tools that that Christine offers in her apostolate. And as we get started, though, we are going to have Christine answer the typical family room question, right, guys? Yes, ma'am. What is your favorite family room memory? So we're we're cutting into that interview where Christine answers that question about one of her favorite family room memories. So I have um, a couple things, I guess, but with my family, um, my husband and I both met playing soccer in college, and so we have five kids, and um, they all were raised playing soccer, and so. I have to say our favorite memory is actually outside the family room, but it's in our backyard. So maybe that counts. <laughs> it does. But, um, <laughs> you know, and during COVID, like, during the pandemic, I think everybody's backyards became part of their family room, right? <laughs> Didn't that happen? Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah. So like they would always just like beg me to play soccer and I really would not want to for the most part. <laughs> but um but when I did and would many, many times, like we have countless memories playing soccer in the backyard, it would always end in just like such hilarious laughter and, you know, cracking up and when they were way younger, Pete and I would take on all five of them and win. And Pete, <laughs> my husband, still insists that we all that we play against all of them and we now lose. But <laughs> even awesome. now, like I was just out there this you know this past Sunday playing with our two teenagers that are still left in the home. So I would say that's probably our my favorite uh, memory with the kids. That is beautiful. And when you first started that story, I thought you were going to tell us that you played soccer in your family room, and I was going to be so impressed. <laughs> probably that you were some such of a cool, that, right? A cool mom that you <laughs> yeah. let them play soccer yeah. in the family room. <laughs> Oh yeah, plenty. Yeah, there's plenty of soccer balls. Yeah, we buy those littler ones, you know. And so yeah, they um, yeah they do that too. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So Christine, um, you and we were just talking during our break that that you and Sarah actually got a chance to meet um, through you're both in Regnum and Christie. Mm -hmm. And um, so you got to meet through a love of prayer and especially a love of the rosary. But I know that um, you also when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today, you shared with us this beautiful quote from Peter Kraft that speaks to your apostolate. And once again, your apostolate is called praying for our prodigals. Um, would you share that, that quote with our listeners? Yeah, sure. So this is what Peter Kraft says about prayer. I strongly suspect that if we saw all the difference, even the tiniest of our prayers to God make, and all the people those little prayers were destined to affect, and all the consequences of those effects down through the centuries, we would be so paralyzed with awe at the power of prayer that we would be unable to get up off our knees for the rest of our lives. Mm, that's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. so beautiful. I almost feel like I have to pause and just let that sink in. It is so beautiful. And in a way, it's interesting because Sarah just spoke to it a little bit. I just spoke to it a little bit about all the prayers of all those people that we didn't even know um, down through the ages in our own family lines that people were praying for us. And, and um, that, that quote also just makes me think of that beautiful Psalm 1616 where King David talks about how the lines of his inheritance fall beautifully. And a lot of that is the lines of all those who went before us, but who were praying for us. And, and like you said, Christine, all of us realizing just how, if we knew how effective, efficacious, how how our prayers, um, what kind of impact they had, that's how we would want to do is to pray. So Christine is going to take us through her apostolate, but maybe just a minute, a second on what an apostolate is. And in the simplest form, it is how we live out our role as apostle. What does God call us to do in our lives for his people? So Christine then shared with us how God put her apostolate on her heart. Well, just looking around at my family and my husband's family and uh, our friends, we came to the quick realization that many, many people are leaving the Catholic Church, right? Mm -hmm. That's no surprise. The numbers are out there, right? Because many, many people, mass exodus, more more Catholics leaving probably than ever. You know, we were concerned about that, right? Um, mm -hmm. As we were both raised cradle Catholics and taught that uh, the Catholic Church was the way to eternal life. Um, yeah, we were, we were pretty upset about it. And so, you know, just going about my daily life, kind of things. I, I, in my, I had worked for Lighthouse Catholic Media. That job came to an end and that was fine. And so then I was just kind of on my own doing my own thing. And I received the Magnificat, the monthly book. A lot of people get that. 
And on November 11th of 2018, in the reflection part, it was um, a section from St. Faustina's diary where Jesus was talking to St. Faustina, and it starts with, My daughter, I want to instruct you on how you are to rescue souls. (laughs) And I was kind of like, it was like that uh, Jerry Maguire movie, you know, where it's like, you know, you had, you had me. me at hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was like that. It was like, I, I mean, when it said rescue souls, it was like, you know, ding, 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 you know, like pay attention here. This is what you need to know. This is what you've been looking for. And so it goes on to say, you will save more souls through prayer and suffering than will a missionary through his teachings and sermons alone. Mm. And, and so it, it's a little bit longer, but, but that really comes down to it. It's like he, Jesus was telling us right then and there, you will save more souls through prayer and suffering. And it goes back to that teaching part, like you were talking about talking to people. It says, it'll save more souls through prayer and suffering than will a missionary through his teachings and sermons alone. Hmm. So once again, it's not all unnecessary about the words, but through prayer and suffering. And so um, I prayed about that a lot. I just, I tore the page out, kept it in my daily prayer section, in my daily prayers, and just really prayed about it. And um, I have a spiritual director. So I talked to her quite a bit about it, and, and I was like, surely somebody's already got something going on that's like a praying <laughs> apostolate, right? Like, I'm going to search online, and I'm going to find something that somebody else that I can just, like, support, you know, and kind of give them a, yeah, I'm not a girl kind of thing. And I did look, and I talked to some other people in the Catholic world, and nobody really knew about one. So my spiritual director said it must be me. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that awesome how God works that way, right? And we do think that. We think, oh, my gosh, surely in all the history of the church, somebody else has done this, surely. But God made it very clear, right? He illuminated that line for you when you were praying. And it was specifically for you. That's amazing. So as we shared, this was recorded about a year ago when we talked to Christine Bruce about her apostolate praying for our prodigals. And so, but we want to take a second and just stop right there because she just finished sharing some really meaty pieces that we want to break open a little bit more. And I know, Uh Craig, you had some really important thoughts around prayer and suffering and how those go together. And Christine mentioned that as she described her apostolate, but I think there's more to understand around that. No, thank you. Because I think um, as we started the show, um, the world's presenting a whole different view of what life should and shouldn't be. And God, through Christ, said, here's what life really is all about. And the whole idea of, look at we don't suffer. You, suffering's bad, right? You know, you, you, you take pills, you take drugs, you drink, you do all these things to end suffering. Mm. But Christ on the cross took all of our suffering. He was whipped. He was crowned. He was crucified. Why? To redeem that suffering, to make it holy and make it something that can be presented back to God as a living sacrifice that God will then, I hate to use the word honor, but he'll honor that and he appreciates it. Mm -hmm. And again, when you look at it, it's like, well, I got the praying part down, but suffering. In this, I'm not talking about even like, wearing hair shirts and i'm not talking about whipping myself right the mortification right yeah Mm -hmm. we're getting mortified every single day just by general life expectancy Mm -hmm. or life issues you know i've torn my never 13 14 surgeries you know eyes knees kidney whatever well god used those as an opportunity to say what are you going to do with this are you going to complain are you going to moan or are you going to trust me hand it back to me and say, okay, God, 
what do you want to do with this? I didn't do it well, but at least it made me conscious yes. of trying to do it. It's very practical. You said hair shirt. You know, you don't wear hair shirts and things like that. I don't this. have any hair either, Well, John, so I was so going to say, for mortification, <laughs> I have to shave this face every morning and comb this head of hair. I'm like, that's pretty mortifying. But at a very serious level, just living practically. So I think of two things, conversations that, that come up with either Protestant friends who don't have the same opinion I do or n like totally secular people. And it's like gender change and an abortion, right? So mm -hmm. hot topics. Absent, I don't know where to start. An abortion is easy. You just don't get to kill babies. But just say gender change. There was a, a scenario that I was aware of where a child, I really, really believe in my heart of hearts that this person believed they were another gender and it was uncomfortable. And absent an understanding of redemptive suffering, the ability to say there is value in being in an uncomfortable situation as egregious as a gender issue is, or as simple as having discipline and fasting and, and just doing the practical things that you need to do, absent an understanding that there is value in suffering and discomfort, the whole argument, well, the whole argument doesn't crumble, but it's very difficult to have a starting point with someone who doesn't have a foundation in, un in understanding that. Yeah. I don't know if I've articulated that well, but you couldn't see my hands. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I had heard a priest say that I thought was so beautiful was he said, think about the fact that Christ on the cross, that was his passion, right? And when right. we think about the word passion, we think about love. Well, it was love. It was love. it was love. And his passion on the cross was the most intimate invitation that he offers to us into his service of love for us. That when he invites us into suffering, into suffering by taking up our own crosses, he is inviting us into the most intimate experience of love that we can ever have. And that I thought was so beautiful. No, it, I mean, it definitely is. And you think about it, it referenced multiple times, pick up your cross and follow right. me painful. Right. And I forget the scripture. So folks, forgive me. But basically it says you cannot enter into a real relationship with God unless you suffer. Mm. Because you're not sharing again, like we said, in what, what Christ went through. And Christ tried to make it really, really clear that I'm not doing this for me. This is not for me. I'm God. I already, I've already, mm. you know. I've already got the answer. I'm doing it for you so you can understand. And it goes back to what, what Sarah said earlier. God smiled. Mm -hmm. And then I think you said, and then he said, despite everything, I love you. This is all about love. This is not about, oh, and here's where we get disconnected from people too. They're like, well, there can't be a God because there would not be suffering in the world. Mm. And I don't want to get, again, I'm probably going off on a tangent, but it, I think it all connects to the fact that, you know, there is a God, he does love us and suffering's going to happen because of our human condition. And he's willing to grab that and do something special with it. If we're willing to give it back to him and say, do something, yep. redeem this. Well, and Christ redeemed suffering on the cross, right? Exactly. And Christine now is going to take us to some very fundamental, simple things for, for us to engage in suffering that is redemptive and is powerful in prayer, especially as it pertains to prodigals. Yeah, so it's pretty simple, really. Um, I There's a website you can go sign up and then... Um, Wait, hold on, stop. On and, tell our, and tell our listeners the uh, website. Uh, okay, so it's praying for our prodigals.com. Okay. Wonderful. So, praying for our prodigals.com. It's super simple. 
if you want to sign up. And basically, on Wednesdays at 3 o'clock Central, um, we have a conference call phone number that you can call in, and I lead the group in the rosary. Mm. Um, and if you can't make that, then, of course, I just recommend that you pray the rosary on Wednesdays, if possible, um, for your own your own prodigals or those in the group. Um, and then also I do periodically encourage people to start their own group. Everybody has somebody who they know, whether it's a loved one or a friend, who has left the church. And so um, I encourage other people to start their own groups, whether it be a Zoom, conference call, in person, whatever works for them. And then that way they can meet in private on their own time, on their own schedule. And, and those have been super successful, too. So we've had several groups start that way, which has been awesome. So in this next segment, we're going to listen to Christine talk about practically the pillars that she's established that people can walk through in their apostolate. Yeah. So, you know, basically when you go, when we went, our experience was you need to pray for your loved ones. And and that was great advice, of course. However, I guess uh, my husband's an engineer also, and I'm a nurse. And so we really wanted like more of a like, you know, a step one, step two, step three kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, like pray. Okay. How much? And what are we going to pray? And so I kind of just went on a little journey of, um, of looking up things, you know, and there are a lot of books written about this topic, but many of them, well, at that time, all of them were about what to say to your prodigal person, Mm -hmm. you know, to your loved one. Most of them were teachings, um, getting yourself to know better the teachings of the church so that you knew what to say. And that is important work, no doubt about it. Um, because when that person comes to you and once that has questions, you want to know the answers, mm-hmm. right? So that mm-hmm. is important work. However, um, only like would it have one chapter maybe about the prayer part. And so I really honed in on reading different books and just listening to different speakers and, and then kind of made a list then of what I felt like was it all boiled down to, so to speak. And starting with the thing from St. Faustina where she said suffering and prayer. Mm-hmm. And so basically um, – having all that said, and then with the Jesus, I trust in you, image, right, the divine mercy image, I kind of put it down to trust and take action. And though it seems like a two-step process, it's actually four. <laughs> but the first step is trust, right? Jesus, I trust in you. And, and, and we can just pray that constantly, you know, all day, Jesus, I trust in you. And then the take action part is the three steps where I talk about praying, fasting, and then deeds of mercy, which for that, I really talk about love. And Sarah mentioned that in her, her topic, too, is the love part. Um, so praying, I really start with the rosary because um, I love the rosary. And the Blessed Mother loves our children so much, and she wants to bring them home, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, the and, we, and we're part, taught, too, that the rosary oh, is a weapon, right? And we know we're fighting for these yeah. souls, too, right? So the rosary is a weapon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, Father Don Calloway has a book out about the rosary that just pretty much covers everything you've ever wanted to know about the rosary. So <laughs> his, his book was super helpful in, um, in putting some thoughts together. And then um, on the fasting part, I ran across a quote from Father Mike Schmidt that I thought was really important. So I was going to go ahead and share that yes, with you. Yes, please, please. Um, because this is one thing I, I think this is, the, if I had... If I had to guess, I think this is the one thing that's missing from Catholics who are praying for their prodigals mm-hmm. is fasting. Because, of course, I think most people are praying in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think most people are de- doing deeds of mercy for the most part. That's, you know, showing love to your child despite where they are in their journey. So what would that look like to love them right where they are? Well, you want to really try to find some uh, common ground between your child and yourself. Some examples of that, we had one mom 
who um, her daughter liked to cook. So she bought her a cookbook for herself and one for her daughter. That way they could try recipes and um, talk about the recipes. I had another mom who, with her son, she would read books that he was reading, whether that was for his school or books he just enjoyed. So they read books together, and that gave them something to talk about. And then as well as just, you know, whatever you can see that your child is interested in or your loved one, um, sports or hiking, anything along those lines is something you can do together. That's awesome. Okay, let's go back to that quote by Father Mike. Yeah, so let me just encourage you by this quote from Father Mike Schmidt, and he was answering a question regarding helping prodigals. What should I do if my loved one, my child, has left the church? And this is what he said. The first thing is going to be prayer. Well, prayer and fasting. If you're not fasting for your kids on a regular basis, then this is an invitation to start doing that because Jesus himself said, There's some that need to be driven out by prayer and fasting. Prayer multiplied by fasting is more efficacious. So first and foremost, before you adopt a new series or a new book or a novena, pray and fast for your kids. (laughs) That's great. That's great. And you're right. We don't talk about fasting very much. During Lent, we talk about fasting, but we don't talk about that multiplier effect that you just described that Father Mike Schmitz described, right? That it's a multiplier effect. And, you know, it's, when, when, when we were talking about this and when I've heard people talk about that, I also realized that every time Mary has appeared, all the different Marian apparitions we've had around the world, she always says, pray and fast, pray and fast. If you go back and listen to so many of them, it's praying and fasting. And that fasting is where we can unite ourselves, our self-sacrifice. So fasting to me, what I realized is it's self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Fasting is a form of self-sacrifice. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He demonstrated the most amazing love there is by his self-sacrifice. So when we fast, we are uniting ourselves to the self-sacrifice that he invites us into. We, he invites us into his passion, which we think about so much during Lent, right? But but at any time, he's inviting us into that, that passion. So that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Are there any specific ways of fasting that that you've encouraged or that you've seen people do that has been um, been helpful? Yeah. And I, I just want to, I'm sorry, I have one more quote that I wanted to throw in real quick. Sure. Um, and this one was from St. John Vianney, who was known to convert entire parishes and large numbers of people. Mm. And a, a priest came to him and was complaining that he was not able to convert many souls. And so St. John Vianney replied, you've preached and you've prayed, but have you fasted? Mm. So once again, I'm just wanting to reiterate that it is super duper important. And, um, and be prepared when you start fasting, it will be difficult. (laughs) I believe it's difficult because, because it's so efficacious and the devil doesn't want us to do it. The enemy is going to try to be like, should try to tell you lies that it's not important, that it's not working, that it's not doing anything, but it is. Um, so back to the question about ways to do it. I first recommend you pray to the Holy spirit, Mm. um, and ask for guidance on what you need, because we all have different attachments that we need to detach from. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that would be most efficacious. And so um, I've heard one person gave up chapstick and every time their lips were dry, (laughs) that was a reminder to pray. Um, I've heard people give up coffee. Um, I've heard some people like just a one day a week fast where it's bread and water only till either all day or till six. Um, So there's many, many ways. I do recommend it being a food fast, you know, as opposed to social media or something like that. But um, but really, I, I recommend praying first and then 
and then anything that the Holy Spirit kind of feels like you need a detachment. So, wow, that was great. And Craig, the, the thing that I think sticks out in my mind, again, listening to Christine, think of how many guests we've had either in the studio or visit us, you know, via phone. And we listen to what they tell us and we listen to great advice. And every single time, the advice is simple. It is not complex. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. Fasting is not easy. But we're talking about two things, prayer and fasting. And, and then invoking the Holy Spirit, prayer. Um, I, that, is, that does not cause my brain to bend. <laughs> no, I mean, look, God is simple, you know, two major commandments, love me, love your neighbor. Yeah. Same thing. The issue is, and now from a man's perspective, and you and I have talked about it, we have to man up. No offense to our ladies out there, but we need to man up. Missing a meal is not going to kill anybody. Um, you know, getting up early to go to mass is not going to kill anybody. And like they said earlier in this, if we could see the effect of that, we probably wouldn't live our lives. We'd probably spend all day doing those mortifications. Every fight we had would be on our knees. 100%. Yeah. So time to get on our knees, time to pray for those people. And let's make sure we do what we just said. They'll meet them right where they are. We're not going to change them. God's going to change them. He's going to enter their heart and love them. And in that, if we don't mind, let's close with a prayer. Amen. So, Father, Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just praise you and praise you for your simplicity. Praise you for being willing to enter into our chaos. Be still and know that I am God is one of your um, most impactful statements to me. We just offer ourselves as living sacrifices, Lord, for all those around us who are suffering, who in their walking away, oftentimes it's through their pain. We ask you to enter in and heal it. We ask you to enter into our lives and strengthen us so we can make those sacrifices for those around us and join those with Christ our Lord and join them to Mary who's going to take them to you and turn those sufferings into beautiful flowers, beautiful showers that rain down on all of us. We just offer all of our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Amen. Son, Father, Holy Son, Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Craig. So, folks, don't forget, we've got great show notes. Sarah always produces that for us. Uh, go to our website. Uh, you can check out the show notes. And and then those things, will, th there's where you'll find the resources where you can take the simple things that we talked about, the prayer and fasting, the, the books, the different references. It's all the ways that you can incorporate what we're talking about here on The Family Room in your lives and in your family room. Because the idea is... Great that we can listen now, but most importantly, it's like what happens when the, the phone goes off, the microphone goes off, and life begins. And, and when life begins, that's when we got to get all this done. So we love that you listen to us. And Mari, why don't you go ahead and, uh, and get us closed out? And listeners, we look forward to being with you again next week here in the Family Room where we offer hope, encouragement, wisdom, and truth for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.